when I was asked to take part in this service, my mind raced back 45 years. Well, that's not quite true. My mind doesn't race anywhere anymore. <clears throat> but my mind limped back through 45 years. And I was thinking about our last service in our little white wooden church in the Black Rock section of Bridgeport. And it was a, a difficult time for many of us. And people were saying, I accepted Christ in this building. And others, uh, we were married here. And others, we dedicated our children here. And on and on it went. It was a very emotional time. However, once we had made the move, the memories of the past faded in the light of the new challenge before us. And it was, a, it was such a joy to build this present building. I had uh, said to the contractor, now would you please give me a date when you can be absolutely sure that this building is ready? And he gave me a date, and I said, now, are you sure? I said, I want to plan a whole week of, of dedication activities. And he said, don't you worry, it will be finished. Well, the time came for the dedication, and it wasn't finished. And uh, my wife and I and a few other volunteers would come here at 5 o'clock as the workmen went home, We'd come and vacuum in here and dust the pews and dust the pulpit and uh, have a, a wonderful service. And this went on all week long. For me, this is a very emotional day because in this building, I performed 230 weddings. I dedicated 442 babies to the Lord. I baptized 857 people who were now committed to follow Jesus, hundreds of funerals, and I preached 4,368 sermons in this building. <laughs> and that's why some of you are thinking, what is this? I, He's droning on like he used to. But uh, it, it was such a joy to serve the Lord in this place. And we have such precious memories of the Christmas musicals, the missions conferences, uh, the good news singers and sounds of truth and koinonia, guest speakers like Jim Irwin who walked on the moon, and some of the greatest theologians of our day have preached in this building from the pulpit here. Yes, I have many precious memories. But it is so important for all of us to remember that as precious as memories are, we are not to live in the past. And whenever I get a little melancholy about the changes and all, the Lord gently but firmly reminds me, this is not your church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, we embark on a thrilling new adventure. 
Because after all, how many churches in America today have to build a new sanctuary because they're crowded out? I submit very few. And yet God has blessed this church in amazing ways to the place where we need a larger sanctuary. We need a larger building to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I also realize that in the next 15 to 18 months can be a very unsettling time. Sometimes it's going to be a very tiring time, moving things in and moving them out. But it can be a very exciting time of spiritual growth. In fact, the building of this building was for the whole congregation a time of spiritual challenge and growth. I was asked by the church to present at a business meeting the idea of us relocating from that little wooden church in in Black Rock where we had no off-street parking at all and where we were crowded out Sunday after Sunday to relocate into Fairfield. And I believed that this was right, and I presented it to the congregation. And then we had two hours of very emotional debate as the people remembered the the things that had happened to them in that building. Well, finally, the moderator said, I think we're beginning to repeat ourselves. It's time to vote. And so we had a secret ballot vote, and the moderator announced the results. 51% to relocate, 49% to stay where we were. And somebody began to applaud. And that was like a dagger in my heart. And I, I jumped to my feet. I hadn't anticipated this. I hadn't planned it. But I jumped to my feet and I said, Mr. Moderator, I presented this idea and I believe in this idea, but it's obvious we do not have the mind of the Lord. We do not have unity. And in in the church of Jesus Christ, you don't have winners and losers. And so as the one who made the motion to relocate, I now make a motion that we rescind this vote and that we give ourselves to prayer for 30 days and then come back and vote again. And for 30 days, every time we came together, we prayed that God would guide us and lead us. And many of us prayed in our private prayers the same thing. Well, we came back 30 days later, and the debate was the same as it had been the last time. And my heart sank. I thought, have we not made any progress? Haven't we changed at all? But when we took another secret ballot vote, the moderator announced the results as 88% to relocate, 12% to stay where we were. And I thought to myself, do I get up again? Or is 88% enough? Or do we really have unity here? And before I could even make a decision, 
a man stood up and he said, I voted to stay, but I see the Lord has changed many hearts and minds. I don't want to stand in the way. I changed my vote to relocate. And one after another stood up and said the same thing until at the end we had a unanimous vote to relocate and to build a new church. Well, we had voted, but now we had to find a a suitable location in Fairfield. And for three years, we looked for a suitable place to build a church. This may sound a little familiar to some of you on committees, I think, but it, it was a very discouraging time. And after three years, we said, maybe we've made a mistake. Maybe God wants us in the Black Rock section of Bridgeport. And so we revised our plans and we went to the zoning board in Bridgeport. Now, I had said to our lawyer, do you want me to get a lot of people from the church to come to the hearing? And he said, oh, we don't need it. It's a shoe in And so the lawyer and myself and a traffic expert walked into that meeting and met 120 angry people who did not want us to build in Black Rock. It was one of the darkest days of my whole life. And on Friday of that week, I got a phone call, and I was informed that the zoning board had turned us down. And I thought, what do I say to the church on Sunday? What can I say that will give some hope and assurance? And I prayed an awful lot. And this is what I said. You know, very few congregations ever have the opportunity to be in the same situation in which Israel was in when they came out of Egypt. The Red Sea in front of them, a desert on one side, mountains on the other side, and being pursued by the Egyptian army. And what were they going to do? But God delivered them. And I said, we've, we've had a lot of discouraging times, but we are in that, that glorious place of being where Israel was, and we are going to trust God no matter what. And I said to the congregation, will you trust God with me that he is going to do something special for our church? And I saw the nods as people said yes. And so I said to them, I want you to sing a hymn with me and make it a prayer. Now, it wasn't a familiar hymn, and we didn't know the tune very well. We didn't sing it well, but we sang it from the heart. And these were the words we sang. Still will we trust Though earth seem dark and dreary, and the heart faint beneath his chastening rod, though rough and steep our pathway, worn and weary, still will we trust in God. 
Our eyes see dimly till by faith anointed and our blind choosing brings us grief and pain. Through him alone who hath our way appointed we find our peace again. Choose for us, God, nor let our weak preferring cheat our poor souls of good thou hast designed. Choose for us, God. Thy wisdom is unerring, and we are fools and blind. Let us press on in patient self-denial. Accept the hardship. Shrink not from the loss. Our portion lies beyond the hour of trial, our crown beyond the cross. And do you know what? Within 24 hours of the time we sang that hymn to our God, some of our laymen discovered this land right here, put their own money down to hold it until we could have a business meeting. And the church voted and said, yes, this is the place. And soon we were building, and God has been blessing ever since. So in your own life and in the life of our congregation, always trust in God. In the last service that we had in our little wooden church in Black Rock, I preached from Exodus 33, verse 15. God had commanded Moses to leave Mount Sinai and to go into the promised land. And Moses prayed this prayer. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And God answered, my presence will go with you. And then Moses prayed one more thing. He said, show us your glory. He needed a new vision for a new task. And God gave him a vision of his glory. And that's what we need today, a vision of the greatness and the glory of God. My wife and I pray together every day. And one of the things that we pray for is Black Rock Church. And this is a prayer that I repeat almost daily. Lord, please never take your hand off of Black Rock Church. Will you pray that too? I hope you will. Uh, however, is...
first groundbreaking ceremony took place 45 years ago on April 30th, 1967. And the building that was constructed 45 years ago has served us well and will continue to serve us well because the project we inaugurate today uh, combines both new construction and also the repurposing of the old structure that was first occupied in January 1968. At that uh, dedication ceremony in 1968, a time capsule was placed in the brickwork behind the cornerstone. Uh, those of us who have known about this time capsule have been eagerly awaiting the moment when we could look into uh, this vault that no one has seen into for 45 years. Well, the date came to open the uh, time capsule just uh, the other day uh, to see what was left behind for us 45 years ago by our brothers and sisters. With anticipation, we opened the time capsule, and to our joy, we found it stuffed with enough money to pay for this entire project. So... Just kidding, there's uh, no money. Uh, but what we did find was truly precious to us as a church family. We opened the time capsule and we found a treasure chest of precious memories. Opening the time capsule uh, gives us a look down the corridor of time of God's faithfulness to uh, this church. Back to 1968 when uh, the U.S. President was Lyndon Johnson, when Vietnam War dominated the news, and some Apollo 8 astronauts got humanity's first look at the far side of the moon. And inside the time capsule are photos of our first church building in Bridgeport near Black Rock Harbor, where we moved from to come to this location, and there were inside pictures of the new building constructed here on Black Rock Turnpike. And there was a scrapbook of programs and newspaper clippings. Uh, celebrating who we are as a church and who we were in the 1960s. And among the memories, there were remembrances of that groundbreaking 45 years ago. And many of us are believers in Jesus today because of the hard work and the sacrifice and the vision of those black rockers who broke ground in 1967. And now it is our turn. As we break ground today, our expansion on this property is motivated by the same purpose and vision that motivated us in 1967. Our purpose is to love God, love people, and serve our world. Our vision is to reach as many people as we possibly can with the love and forgiveness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Our dream is to hear our faithful God say to us as a church, well done, good and faithful
Please turn your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, where we will begin reading at verse 28. This is the account known as the Transfiguration, and I believe God has a lesson for us in Peter's experience on that mountaintop with Jesus. This is Luke, chapter 9, beginning with verse 28. Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went to a a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring fulfillment to at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was talking about. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. (laughs) What an experience Peter had on that mountaintop. Peter saw Jesus like he'd never seen Jesus before. Peter saw Jesus as he really is in his eternal glory. And Peter saw even more than that. Uh, As Jesus stood there with Moses and Elijah, Peter got a glimpse of how Jesus is the culmination of the entire Old Testament. In Scripture, the Old Testament is referred to as the law of And the prophets. Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. And they meet together with Jesus, who is the perfect fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Peter had this life changing experience with Jesus on that mountaintop. And so it is not surprising that uh, Peter wanted to enshrine that moment uh, by, well, Building shrines. Peter had this knee-jerk offer uh, that he suggested to Jesus that he build shrines for Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Uh, And this leads to one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. It's verse 33, which refers to Peter and says, He did not know what he was talking about. You know, uh, I love that verse. Some people have a life verse that kind of shows the culmination of their story. I think I just found my life verse. He did not know what he was talking about. I can relate with Peter. Uh, When Peter's eyes were opened and he really saw Jesus like never before, he started to babble. Now, even though he was speaking nonsense, through even his nonsense, we can understand what Peter was thinking. Peter was thinking, this is such a special moment in such a special place. I don't ever want to leave, and I don't ever want it to end. I just want to stay here. Well, this day at Black Rock is a day of many emotions over a very broad spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, uh, there are people here 
who have been worshiping in this room for 45 years and have loved every minute of it. And so today is a day of grief about leaving. On the other hand, there are people who have been here uh, worshiping just a few weeks, hate the color red, and uh, can't wait to get to Notre Dame. Uh, So even though there's a broad spectrum of emotions here today, for many of us, This room is like the mountaintop, like the mountaintop was for Peter. For many of us, this is the place where we first had our eyes opened to who Jesus really is. For many of us, this is the place where, just like Peter, we came to understand for the first time that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. This is the place where... For many of us, we first had the Bible come to life, uh, come alive as we've, we heard the Father's voice speak to us in a personal way. In fact, I'd like to test this theory that uh, this is a special room uh, for many of us. I'm going to ask three questions, and if any of these questions apply to you, would you just raise your hand for, leave it up for about six minutes so we could uh, look around. Uh, no, just about six seconds. Uh, first question. Um, Is this room the place where you began your walk with Jesus? Is this the place where you accepted Jesus or you were baptized or where God's word came alive for you for the very first time? Would you just raise your hand? All right, question number two. Uh, Is this the room where in Christ you made vows in marriage, or you participated in a wedding, or dedicated a child or a grandchild, or you said goodbye to a friend or a loved one who passed away. If this is true for you, would you just raise your hand? All right, one last question. Uh, Is this the room where you got a better understanding of Jesus' call to reach all nations? Or uh, could you say that at some point, God spoke to you in this room through his word and you responded to God's voice in this room. Could you just raise your hand? This just confirms the truth. That for many of us, this room is like the mountaintop was for Peter. And so, like Peter, it is natural for a part of us to just want to stay in a place where we've seen Jesus. Now, this is where God speaks to you and me through this transformation. Transfiguration account. Peter's part in the Transfiguration account uh, shows how easy it is for me to get confused and become attached to the place I worship rather than attached to the person I worship. Uh, this is what happened to Peter. Uh, in the thrill of that holy moment, Peter forgot that what made the moment holy. Uh, what made the moment holy and special was not because of where he was, but because of who he was with. This transfiguration account makes two facts very clear. The first fact is that Jesus wanted Peter to experience his glory on that mountaintop. But the second fact is that Jesus never intended Peter to stay there. And we know that Jesus had no intention of staying on that mountaintop because verse 31 says that the very subject of the conversation between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus was Jesus' departure. The the subject of the conversation was Jesus' mission to go. 
Go to the cross. Go out of the tomb. And then go into the whole world through his empowered people with this message, including empowered people like Peter would become. But on that mountain, Peter couldn't see the big picture of how Jesus would die for sins and bring salvation. And because he could not see the big picture, Peter wanted to just stay there. And through Peter's experience, God reminds me to open my eyes to the big picture today. Uh, There have been times in my life when I have uh, failed to grow up or reach out or follow Jesus because I expressed my desire to God that I wanted to stay safe, stay comfortable, and stay put. Uh, And these stay put moments all have the same thing in common. I fail to see God's big picture. When I fail to see God's big picture, I start to think that God's big story is about me when it is not. God's big story is about God's love reaching out to all lost people for God's glory. And when I see God's big picture, I see that Jesus bought me with a price and that to send me out with a story to tell. Not my story, but the story of sharing his life to this dying world. And when I see my part in the big picture, I see that I am not called to stay put on any mountain or anywhere else. I am called to follow Jesus. And that is why we are leaving this room filled with so many special memories of special moments. We're leaving this mountain because we're following Jesus and our part in his big story. We are leaving this room because our part in the big picture is to do whatever we need to do to reach as many people as we possibly can with the life-changing message of Jesus. And it's interesting that uh, Jesus doesn't respond to Peter's suggestion for the shelters. The Father himself speaks from heaven in those words, This is my Son whom I've chosen. Listen To him. And of course, when the Father says, Listen to him, he's not just saying, Hear Jesus. The Father is saying, Follow Jesus. So let's heed the Father's call today. Let's follow Jesus as he leads us out from this place. Let's follow Jesus as he uses us to touch lives in and around Notre Dame. And then let's follow Jesus back here and will shine brighter than ever before for his glory. Let's follow Jesus because there is no better place to be than following Jesus and being part of God's big story for his glory for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord, on this day of both beginnings and endings, We want to both honor what you've done here in the past and at the same time joyfully embrace what you have for us in the future. Help us to rejoice in the holy moments we've enjoyed here while remembering what made these moments special. It was not the place we worshipped, but the person we worshipped. Jesus, you are that person. Now help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to see our part in the big picture. Lead us and we will follow you because we're convinced that there is no better place to be than being part of your big story for your glory for all eternity. 
Amen. When we left our uh, former church building that you've uh, heard talked about today uh, to our current location 45 years ago, uh, our final act in the former building was to read a declaration of deconsecration. So in kind of a full circle, uh, I would like to read this same document with some modifications as we close our final worship service in this room. Now, would you please stand? We, the people of Black Rock Congregational Church, on this, the 14th day of October in the year of our Lord, 2012, do declare that in keeping with what is fitting and proper when a building is set apart for the worship of God and the instruction of his holy word, our forefathers did consecrate this room as a house of worship, and thus it has been known for 45 years. Here the word of Christ has been preached and taught. Here public worship of God has been conducted. Here many have found Jesus as Savior and Lord. Here Christian commitment and missionary zeal have become life-changing decisions for countless numbers of God's people. Within these walls, hundreds have been united in marriage in the name of the triune God. Here, words of comfort have been offered to broken-hearted families as they prepared to commit to the ground until the day of resurrection the body of a loved one. Truly, this room has been for us the house of the Lord, and we declare with the psalmist, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your honor dwells. And whereas we realize that buildings in and of themselves are not holy except as they are used for sacred purposes and are indwelled by the living God in the midst of his people, and whereas this congregation in the goodness and providence of God is now vacating this place to begin here a process of renovation and new construction, and whereas the future of this room will be dedicated to purposes unlike those of the past, we, the people of Black Rock Congregational Church, do hereby cease to consider this room our house of worship and declare it to be deconsecrated. With full confidence, we trust that the presence of Almighty God, which has sanctified this room in the past, shall go with us to our temporary meeting place until this, the completion of our new house of worship, which, Lord willing, will soon be dedicated to the glory of God and whereby His grace God shall be pleased to dwell in our midst. So be it. And all God's people said. Amen.